Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, good evening. Welcome to California Haunts Radio. My name is Charlotte. I'll be your host for the next hour. I think I've got a great show for you. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of sunny Sacramento, California. We are 35 strong up and down the state of California. We also have members in Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. And like I always say, someday I'll get to Hawaii and go ghost hunting. We'll see. You know? Problem is, if I go, I won't come back. So you guys will be listening to somebody else on the California Health Radio Show. But anyway, welcome to the show. I want to thank everybody for joining us. We had a great show last night, and tonight we're going to have an even better show. Because it's something that's near and dear to my heart, cryptids. We're going to be talking talking to the, to, to the master cryptid keeper. Okay? Lon Strickler is going to be with us tonight. Before we get going, though, I want to introduce you to the CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com website, where all of our videos, and this goes out live there as well. And you guys can catch up on all the shows we've done. And we've done almost uh, 250 shows since we started on the, in this format. So you can check those out at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. Also at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com, we are putting our blog talk shows up. And that goes back 15 years. So honestly, I've just started. I've got the first couple of years up there. But you'll be able to go through all those archives as well. Okay. If you're watching from YouTube tonight, be sure to subscribe. If you look down at the bottom right-hand corner... You'll see a little ghost with a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat on. And that is our mascot ghost. And I forgot to hit my other button. See how I have all my buttons? Look at that. There we go. I got the other button. Um, but that's our mascot. So if you click on that, that will give you announcements is when we have new videos up, which we try to do these things Monday through Thursday. And then we also do a reading Sunday where we read. I read. We read. Well, my producers and I where I read a, a ghost-based book, something that, you know, something that's true and has to do with ghosts. And it could be a story like we're reading right now, The Way Through the Woods, or it could be something like The Ghost of Flight 401, but it's always a book, you know, that has to do with a haunting, something like that. So uh, be sure to check that out. And like I said, if you subscribe, those announcements will come up and let you know that these videos are up. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. And our, our ghost hunt, which I call a ghost tour, Scheduled for March 26th, we'll be at a cemetery, a very active cemetery. And there's two there's two spots open. We had one spot open, but the person couldn't make it on the other spot. So we've got two spots open. So if you're interested in going to that, you can either visit our California Haunts meetup site, which is under California Haunts, or go over to CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com, go across the top, get over to where it says Extras, and it'll pop right down a special event. Okay. So check us out, because we're eager to take you ghost hunting. You can even meet me and hang out with me. Use some of use some of our equipment. We've got some really cool stuff. We just got in a load of equipment as well, So, which I'm still playing with, which is kind of neat. I like to play with stuff. But anyway, I'm not a technical person. I don't read instructions. I'm one of these people that I just turn stuff on, and I just go for it. So that's what I'm doing right now. My poor house is always the victim, so... Any EMF things that I have or anything like that, that's what I'm doing. I'm running around my house to test all the EMF and see what it does. Okay. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to bring Lon on. and He can tell you a little bit about himself. And then we're going to start talking some really cool stuff tonight. Okay. Here we go. How's it doing, old friend? 
How you doing, Charlotte? Good. It's good to see you. Well, it's good to be here. How you doing? I'm doing good. We're doing really good. Good. For the people that don't know who you are, please tell us who you are. Well, I've been involved with the paranormal, I, I would say, all my life, basically. Um, I uh, have had several encounters uh, during my that period of time, but I really got started into uh, investigating the paranormal back when it wasn't fashionable, back in the mid-70s. And um, I had some encounters as a kid. And uh, then, of course, when I became older and became an adult, I did have an encounter of a big with a Bigfoot back in 1981 in Maryland. And then I had a winged humanoid encounter in 1988 here in Pennsylvania, not far from where I live now. Um, <clears throat> and as time went on, I, I continued to do private investigations and uh, just keeping notes and such as to what I was doing. I wasn't publishing anything. Uh -huh. uh, when I guess around the turn of the millennium, I um, started pub, you know, I started writing for another website and uh, somebody suggested, well, you know, why don't you get your own blog? And, you know, I wasn't into blogging. I didn't know anything about that. So in 2005, I started phantomsandmonsters.com and I've been doing it daily since. And, uh, and since that time, I've written nine books and uh, I have an investigative team. Uh, we look into all aspects of the uh, paranormal, mostly cryptids. And, um, you know, that's led to where we are now. Awesome. Let me ask you about your first encounter with Bigfoot. What, what, what was that like? Well, it was a one and only encounter. That was 1981. I was in, um, I was actually in Sykesville, Maryland. I was living there at the time. Um, I had, I used to be a pretty avid fly fisherman. So I was down on the South branch of the Tapsco river, uh, just, uh, east of just downstream from Sykesville. And as I was fishing, I, um, I noticed that there was a dog across the, uh, the river and the river isn't really wide there. It's probably about 20 foot wide. And, but it's an area I knew. I, I used to go there a lot. And um, as I was fishing, I noticed this dog was over there, but I didn't really pay it much attention until this thing yelped. And when it yelped, I looked across the river and I saw something stand up into the weeds. You know, they were in the weeds. It was pretty high weeds, too. It's like early spring. But um, this thing stood up, and I got a look at it about mid-chest up because of the weeds and uh, I didn't really know what I was looking at. It started walking towards my left. And when it came out of the weeds, it turned and faced me. And I was probably about, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, 50 feet away from it. And we kind of locked eyes for like 10 seconds or so. But, uh, you know, I thought I was looking at a Bigfoot, but I wasn't really sure. Uh -huh. This thing looked more human than it did, though it had hair all over it. Uh -huh. uh, you know, it had the deep, you know, the real thick eye, uh, brow ridge and the conical head. But it just, I, I've always described it as looking like a Neanderthal more, in it, more than anything else. Though this thing was huge. It had some real big, it had some size to it. It was about, I'd say, close to eight foot in height. It was, it was a large being. 
and uh, definitely a male. I could see the genitalia on this thing. It just stood there looking at me, and it was making a ticking sound, which I later figured it was uh, some type of nervous tick or something. It was gnashing its teeth. Uh, I, I have heard of other sightings where that has happened or encounters where that has happened. So um, I'm looking at this thing, wondering what the hell I'm looking at. This thing turns around and starts walking into the woods. And, uh, you know, I'm in hip waders, so, uh, you know, I can't do much about it. So, um, but I did, I did make my way out of the river, went up to my car and drew back into town. And uh, when, when I got to the first phone I could find, I called the local police and told them what I saw. Uh, they didn't really seem too overly concerned. And the reason why is we have a mental institution that's called Springfield uh, that's very nearby. So I guess they just figure, well, it's somebody else who escaped from, you know, the nut house. But anyway, um, she said, well, look, go back there and we'll have somebody meet you, which I, you know, I wasn't thrilled about it cause I didn't want to go back there and run into this thing again. Uh-huh. But, uh, I said, okay. So I got back in the car and it was only like a three, three minute drive back. And by the time I got there, there was a Maryland state trooper already there and they had a barricade across the road. So when I pulled up, he he came up to my window and said, you got to get out of here. I said, look, I had just made a call. Uh, I saw something and uh, I called the local police and I don't care. You got to leave. Okay. So I turned around and left, went home. So about an hour later, I, um, I figured, well, look, I'm going to go back on down there and see what's going on. So I did. I drove back, and boy, when I got like a quarter mile from the location, there was just cars all up and down the road. I had to park and walk up. <clears throat> and when I got to the location, the barrier was still there. They had a Howard County police officer standing there then. And there were people walking all around with dogs, and there was a big white tent set up in across the river on the north side where I'd seen this thing. And uh, I heard helicopters. Um, there were all kinds of official vehicles there, even federal. Uh, back that time, in the early 80s, the, the feds used to drive those black wagoneers. Right. So uh, it wasn't like the RV thing like nowadays. So, um, But there were cars from every jurisdiction in the area. And, uh, you know, they were, they were in the woods. And, I mean, lots of people. So I, I just kind of got up to the um, to the Howard County cop, and I asked him, so what's going on? And he said, he's kind of laughing when we said, well, somebody said they saw a Bigfoot, you know, and of course, I didn't tell him I, I was the person who made the call. Uh-huh. Uh, so I said, oh, okay. I said, they find anything? He said, yeah, I think they found some hair or something. I don't know. He, he, I don't even remember what he told me. But uh, I said, okay. So I stood there for about maybe five, ten minutes just watching. You know, I, oh, it was people going around the woods. I, I, I suspect, you know, the f- fact that they had the, the tent up there was kind of bizarre, I thought. Uh, I don't know if they had gotten this thing or what, but I did find out later that there had been a report of this, someone downriver about three hours previously seeing this thing and reporting it. But anyway, um, when I got back home, I called the local uh, 
television stations, which were three, there were three of them that I call in Baltimore, told them what happened. And uh, they said, oh, yeah, give us a call back a couple of days or we'll call you and we'll get the full story on this after we look into it. Well, four days later, I don't hear anything. So I call one of the stations, tell them, I talked to the news editor and he they literally hung up on me. He told me, I don't want to talk to you. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, I was, my interest was really peaked in, and, um, you know, then as, as time went on, I found out back in the early 70s, there had been a number of sightings in the Sykesville area, especially along the river, of this cr- creature they called the Sykesville monster. So I looked into that. I, I was able to talk to some of the previous witnesses and e- even others who had not made the reports. So I was, you know, I was getting a pretty good idea of what people were seeing. This thing was literally breaking into garages and chicken pens and homes and such. Uh, so uh, it did make national news. Um, but you know, but I I had never heard of it because I was living in Pennsylvania. I moved down there, and I had never I had never heard of this thing. Uh, as as the time has gone on, and I you know I continue to take reports of you know things that happen around, and there have been several sightings around there. Uh, in fact, BFRO has documented four Class A sightings beside mine in the area. So uh, people are seeing something, and I have talked to other witnesses as well. But uh, I did, I did get a, some confirmation for, from at least one police officer and somebody else who had been there at the time of my setting, verified everything what I saw. So uh, yeah, so that's that was my Bigfoot sighting, and it was it, it was kind of interesting, you know, the whole government involvement thing right off the bat, and you know. Uh, it, that's what really got me interested in cryptids. So as time went on, I started looking at the Bigfoot and other things as time went on. Well, when I was listening to you talk about the police get involved and all that, it reminded me of a car I had. I had this car that was having nothing but trouble. Mm-hmm. And I found stuff on the internet, went to the dealer. The dealer says, oh, no, we haven't heard anything about this. Yet there were all these problems on the internet. Next thing I know, within about a month, the car gets recalled. Sometimes that's how they are. You'll go and talk to the police like that about something like say Bigfoot and they're not going to say that, that they've heard the thing, anything about it. Next thing you know, they all descend on one spotlight, like you're saying. Well, you know, this whole, um, this whole sexual monster thing was all word of map because as time went on and eventually back in uh, 2014, uh, monsters and mysteries of America did a segment about my sighting. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the woman who was the city manager at the time got all this together, and she had access to the police files. And she said, "There's nothing in there. There's not a thing about your sighting or anybody else's sighting in this thing." And uh, she checked with some of the you know the federal and some of the other jurisdictions in the area, and nobody had any idea what would happen. So uh, yeah, that kind of made it intriguing. So, um, but that's how I started out looking into cryptids. Interesting. And you say you saw a wing cryptid too, right? Yeah, back in 1988, I had an encounter with, uh, well, the, st- the long story of it is I um, I was living in Maryland. I was living in Baltimore, actually. Um, and uh, there was a, a Boy Scout exposition 
up in Timonium, which is a northern suburb of the city of Baltimore. And um, when I was there, I, I ran into a friend of mine, somebody I had known in high school and had been Boy Scouts together. Uh, I hadn't seen this guy in about 12 years. So, uh, you know, but it's interesting. He knew I was in the paranormal because he used to spend time on the Gettysburg battlefield with me as a kid. So we had seen a few things together. But anyway, we sat down, we're eating some lunch and stuff. And um, as we talked, he mentioned to me, he said, you know, next weekend, me and a friend or friend and I are going up to the old camp Conewago and, uh, and, and look into something that's going on up there. And now, this was at the time it was in the, in the fall. He said, but all summer long, the campers that, and the troops that have been camping in the woods uh, outside, you know, at the camps, at the campground were running out of there, packing up and leaving early because they were complaining that they were hearing these God awful screams and they didn't know what it was. And they were scared, you know, a bunch of being uh -huh. kids, they were all scared of what was going on. So we're going up there and, uh, next weekend and, um, you know, you want to come along? I said, yeah, you know, so, uh, so I did, I met them up there that following Friday and uh we got together hiked into the woods set up our campsite we had three tents you know set up the camp had some cook started cooking built a fire started cooking and that night was really quiet we just sat around you know talking all kinds of different things but um catching up but it was you know nothing going on so um you know we went and slept got up the next morning and, and uh, the other guy had mentioned, he said, did you hear something walking around the campsite? And I had, I heard something walking around, but I thought it was one of those guys getting up to go in the woods, relieve themselves or whatever. You know, I just figured one of them, but apparently it wasn't. And, but you know, the, the campsite hadn't been disturbed at all. So we, you know, I didn't really pay much mind. Didn't think much about it. I thought maybe it's a deer or something moving around. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, uh, so that we spent that day hiking in through the woods and looking around, see if we could pick anything up, figure out what the hell was going on, all these screams and stuff. And we were gone all day. I mean, we got back to the campsite was about six in the evening, just starting to turn dark. And um, you know, we sat down, had some lunch, had some dinner, and just sitting there talking. You know, we really weren't taught thinking about what was, had been going on or what had been reported. But about, I'd say about 10 o'clock, we heard this screaming sound. Now, it, it didn't appear to be anything unusual to me. I thought maybe some animal or something. Uh, it wasn't that horrendous, you know. So we didn't pay much mind. So about an hour later, we heard it again. But this time it sounded like either a kid or a female screaming and it was loud and it was pretty blood curdling to be honest with you and it seemed like it was going in and out like this thing was moving away and coming back and forth so uh that got our attention so we decided to stay up the evening and uh you know maybe something else will happen so we sat there for a while so it was getting i i think it was about one in the morning and I got up to stretch my legs. I walked around the campsite a bit. And I went out, walked out on the trail. Uh, the trail was right by the campsite. And on the other side of the trail was the uh, Conewago Creek. Cool. So uh, very bright night. 
uh, it, it was enough moonlight that we could see into the the woods and see into the creek pretty well. So, but you know, I was standing there and I got this strange feeling like you know something just doesn't seem right. I'm an intuitive, so I, you know, I kind of sense things before things do happen. But I just got that weird feeling like something was watching. So I went back to the campfire and I, I told this guy, I said, look, let's, let's go up onto the trail, walk up and down a bit and see if we can you know, find anything. So we grabbed our flashlights, went single file up the, up the, um, up the trail. And, you know, we didn't get very far, maybe 50 foot from the campsite. And when we saw these red eyes in the creek, now this time of year, the, the creek's pretty low. So, uh, we saw these real red, bright red eyes, and it looked like eyes. And by the time we got the flashlights on this thing, it literally jettisoned itself into the air. We could hear a whooshing sound when it left. Um, and I suppose when it got to its apex, it started leaving, letting out these horrible screams. And then it was flying away, and, and you know, it faded out. So uh, we rolled back into the campsite quickly. Um, my buddy, he was frightened. I mean, he was, you know, he was freaked out. Uh, the other guy and I were talking, and he said, did you notice anything on the back? And I had noticed something, like some struck high structures on the back, which we assumed were wings. Uh -huh. But we never saw the wings open up. But this thing literally jettisoned itself without using these wings. So... Um, my buddy, you know, finally talked and said, well, I might spend the night here. I'm going up the administration building. So those two went up there and spent the night. I stayed around the campsite. I wanted to see what it was. I mean, you know, I was hoping to come back, but, you know, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't see him the rest of the night. And as time has gone by, uh, almost 20 years later, I actually wrote about it. You know, I, I had told a few people about it and, but in 2008, I wrote about it, put it in the blog, and then I started getting comments. Um, one guy who had lived in the area uh, mentioned that he uh, had been hearing those screaming sounds for 20 years, never knew what it was. Huh. Uh, then after that, I had a scout master contact me and say, you know, my troop and I were up there at Conewago, Camp Conewago, not long, not long ago, and uh, the boys had gone out during the day, had gone out on the trail to do exploring, like, you know, kids do. And they came running back all freaked out, saying that they saw a dragon. That's what they called it. And, of course, he thought they were pulling his leg. And uh, he didn't think much about it. He said, though, they were scared. Uh-huh. So when he read the account I posted, then he knew eh, maybe they did see something. And as time has gone by since 2008, I've had five other sightings reported to me up and down the creek. Now, the creek is pretty long. It, mm -hmm. it actually goes a little further west and heads east again and empties into the Susquehanna River. So I guess it's up close to 20 miles long. But I've had other sightings along the creek. Interesting. You know, a few months ago, we had a legend Mothman sighting here in Sacramento, mm -hmm. and a lot of people aren't aware of it because it was in, it was in some obscure online newspaper that they posted it. Mm -hmm. But they said they saw it on the Tower Bridge that that somebody was driving by and saw this thing, and they even saw the wings on it. I didn't hear anything else about it. I went out there to check it out, you know, just nothing. 
But I mean, there was just this thing that showed up. So you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that. So yeah, I mean, and you know, we got a lot of different sightings from a lot of different places. Now, of course, myself and my team have been looking into this phenomenon in Chicago for well, started two thousand eleven. Though it had been some historical sightings, but it really started ramping up in two thousand seventeen. And uh, we just had our one hundred and fortieth, what we felt is a confirmed sighting uh, two weeks ago. So, uh, but most of it's concentrated in the area around the O'Hare International now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but there are settings and, uh, you know, it's all walks of life. You know, we've had airline pilots and TSA security, uh, you know, other people that work around the airport and making these reports. But uh, there's something definitely going on out there. And um, but of course, we've been getting these sightings in and around Chicago now for at least five years. So um, these beings are out there and uh, we, we have had sightings in other areas. I mean, I've written about it. I've written two books about it so far. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is a phenomenon that continues on. It's just not the Mothman of Point Pleasant. Right, the, right. You know, these winged beings, though, they, they are different in, in size and description for the most part, as opposed to what was reported at Point Pleasant. They're um, they're out there. How do you confirm one? I mean, is there a certain set of questions you have that you ask people when, you know, when you talk to them? <clears throat> well, it depends. I mean, um, most of the time when we first get the anecdotal uh, evidence as far as the sighting report and talk to them. We we concentrate on what they're telling us, and if they you know if they um, embellish on it, uh, and which which is one thing that's been pretty interesting about these sightings is these witnesses very rarely embellish. Uh, they kind of tell us what they saw, stick to the story, and don't you know go beyond that, mm-hmm. which is unusual with cryptid sightings and reports. Um, I've got two investigators in the Chicago area and, uh, well, Southern Wisconsin and in Chicago. And they have, uh, and their name, Manuel Navarrete and Tobias Whalen. They've been with my Phantoms and Monsters 14 research team. And, uh, they're the kind of boots on the ground. I've got some other people in the area as well. So, yeah, we pretty well follow up on what happened, you know, what we get the reports and, you know, uh, when I first started the team, Rosemary Ellen Golly and I was, I mean, she was working with me back then too. So at that time she was literally, I'd get the report. She'd follow up with them and, and verify it. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, we were, um, we were pretty busy and we're still, you know, it's not as, we don't get it as much as we used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reports out at the airport have been more sporadic as of late because, and I think it has a big reason why it's been more sporadic is that the security and the powers that be at the airport have been trying to quell this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they have been threatening employees uh, with termination and such, and um, it's been pretty wild. <clears throat> We've actually had some witnesses report that they had taken video and photographs of these things and that if they're when they're they, when they were caught by the uh, by security, they made them clear it wow. and uh, and erase everything, which you know, 
that was a big that'd be a big blow when we got that but um yeah um but you know when you talk to these folks you know something happened uh they really you know their their physical and uh reaction to when they're talking to you and what the, the way they tell you you can pretty well surmise that they they definitely had something happen to them when you talk about um the mothman at point pleasant being different than the one in chicago do you Mm -hmm. think it's like with sasquatch you know where where sometimes the colors on the sasquatch are different you know Mm -hmm. depending on their region do you think that might be the case with that well i um i i think there are different types i mean um you know, for the most part, the, the, the Mothman at Point Pleasant was like an insectoid, moth-like being. Um, mm-hmm. had the big red eyes. It didn't have much of a head. It was basically the eyes were kind of built into the upper body. Uh, the reports that we've gotten in and around Chicago have varied, but for the most part, they're like a membrane, bat-like wing, gargoyle wing, with a very thin, dark body uh, with... Sometimes the arms are attached to the wings. Sometimes they're detached from the wings. Uh, we we get the red eyes for the most part. I, I'd say maybe seventy five percent of the time, it's the red eyes are prominent, uh, a very thin head. But there's some variations too, um, and and I, I believe there have been several of these things that have shown up. Now, as to what they are, where they reside. I, I believe they're ultra-terrestrial beings. I, I, I think they're interdimensional. Um, why they are here, we don't really know that yet. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, conjecture as to what these things are. Uh, but my personal opinion is I think most cryptids that people report come from probably the same place the same dimension. Uh, I, I believe it's a very linear dimension as opposed to our earth plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they have the, the ability to move in and out quite frequently. Uh, and I, I think that, that they do stay for a, a very finite period of time. And um, I think that's a re- may probably the reason why we don't have any bodies or any real physical evidence as, you know, so um, yeah. So, you know, who knows? You know, that's my thoughts. That's the thoughts mm-hmm. of myself and others as too, as well. So, you know, we, there's just no way we can really be definitive about it. You know, but we all we can do is just take the evidence uh, that it, as it comes and, and make our determination and, and go from there. But, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a very interesting five years or so. Uh, it's come in waves, but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's just, it's a very interesting and uh, uh, enigma, actually. It's just, we're, we're just going to keep working on it until we, hopefully, we get some answers. I always wonder, um, because, you know, the aliens doing their experimentation with people here on Earth, and I always wonder, because um, obviously these aliens have, I mean, they visit the Egyptians, so obviously they had to have come way before that, too. And so I always wonder about things like Sasquatch, or maybe the Mothman that they <clears throat> when early man was here, and they tried to make some hybrids. You know, they they were experimenting with that, and that's how you got the Mothman. And they, they, they took a you know they, they took a flying one of those flying birds, and, you know, did that, and who knows? 
like you I said, think there's a know. connection yeah. um, as to what it is or why it happened. You know, we really don't know. You right. know, nobody knows. Uh, you know, you can speculate a lot. You know, a lot of people write about a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, I've had some encounters where I have been shown a few things, though. I don't know if it's just, you know, if I'm being told the truth or being led in a direction to kind of fit the, their, their agenda or what it is. But um, but I think they do have an agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the whole alien abduction thing is... Um, I mean, I think it is an agenda based and I think it's something that they're, they're trying to get f- that we have. Mm-hmm. And I think for the most part, that has to do with our, our being, our, uh, our life force, uh, and our beliefs where we feel that when we pass and most people feel this, and when we pass that we go to another level or energy goes to another level, you want to call it a soul, you can call it life force, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I think that's something they seek, uh, they desire to have. And uh, I think a lot of the abductions are based on that agenda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's been one of the most um, recent or the, the, the most sighting that, that 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 you've seen that has, has stood out to you you know of, of, of witnessing it well and of course it's been what's been going on in chicago i mean that's that's probably the biggest case i've been involved with mm-hmm. uh we've been doing investigations here in pennsylvania with upright canines dog man, if you want to call it that uh the canine cryptids uh okay. You know, we're, we kind of concentrate on the state, though. You know, of course, I get sightings all around. I get a lot of sightings, a lot of different things. Uh, you know, there's no shortage of cryptids out there. And, of course, you always end up getting something that nobody knows what the hell it was. So, uh, you know, uh, I, you know I, I'm just kept pretty busy. I'm pretty, pretty busy, actually. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, I, I do try to keep up with everybody who contacts me, but it's just almost, it's almost impossible to do that. Let me ask you this. When you talk mm-hmm. about the dogmen, what, what's, what's the usual de- description of them? It just depends. Um, for the most part, these are upright beings. Uh, they're, they're described in different forms. I, I, I say here in Pennsylvania, most, the most, you know, the common description is a very large being, actually. Think of underworld lichens from the movies. That's pretty well what people describe. Uh, nine to ten foot, the large uh, upper chest, thin torsos, uh, very muscular arms and legs. Uh, some are hocked, some are human-like. Uh, large feet that are clawed, same with the hands that are clawed, and a, a wolf-like head. And... Um, uh, that's that's the that's what people have been describing to us for the most part. People call them werewolves. People call them all kinds of things. Now that there are other there are other quadrupeds that uh, that I just call the dog man. That it, it, it just there are just some aspects to it that look a bit human. Uh, for the most part, those sightings are of a hyena like being with the sloping back, but it's got the head of a uh, of a wolf or something like a wolf. Huh. And uh, 
they're huge as well you know they seem to be um they seem to be very intuitive uh, and, I, and i think most cryptids do have a lot of intu- intuitive nature to them mm-hmm. uh i think they use they have the ability to um use their minds to do some type of manipulation with witnesses if it's inf- some people say it's infrasound some people say it's something else like esp or so. i don't know what it is but um i, I think most witnesses of what i've talked to do seem to be somewhat influenced by these things when they come across them uh, in fact i've had witnesses who have been hunting and been armed and they don't even think about pulling a gun up on them they just literally back off and um now we haven't had any accounts where anybody's been attacked. They do stand their ground. They don't, for the most part, they don't run away. Mm-hmm. But we've had instances where they've just literally manifested, showed up, and and vanished and stuff. And so, you know, there's definitely a supernatural aspect to these beings in my mind. So, uh, but I believe that I think that's pretty common as far as most cryptids anyway. I think they, I think Bigfoot for the most part is also a supernatural being though. I do believe there are areas where they are indigenous, like the uh, Pacific Northwest and okay. in Florida, down around the Gulf Coast and such. I think there are areas where they are indigenous. But I think in other areas, like in particular uh, here in the East Coast and in the upper Midwest, where a lot of sightings are, I, I think that they're normally single beings that people see. And uh, they're very fleeting sightings. And uh, they're... Um, uh, they seem to a lot of times just disappear without a trace, and you know we we've had instances where people have followed tracks, uh, even out into the desert where people followed very distinct tracks that just suddenly disappear, and you know that that's a conundrum that we just can't figure out. These things sprout wings and take off, or they just disappear somehow. Who knows? I had a friend up in Placerville who was psychic. And she told me that, um, and Sylvia Brown always said this too, that we're three feet, we're like three to six feet away from the other side. Mm-hmm. We could reach over to the other side. But what my friend told me, which was interesting, was she saw a ghost walk across her front yard. And it looked like she was stepping up, this, the ghost was stepping up into a doorway. Mm-hmm. Because it stepped up and disappeared. So maybe, like you say, with the with these interdimensional, you know, with, with the dimensional stuff that's going on, maybe that's what's happening. Like like when you say the footsteps suddenly stop, well, they step up into this other dimension. Oh yeah, I think it's very possible. I mean, you know, you hear all about these four one one missing reports or whatever, uh-huh. missing four one one, where people just suddenly disappear. Well, who's to say they're not walking inadvertently into a portal or some type of uh, rift somehow and just vanish? Uh, you hear about that and you you wonder what what the hell it was but actually there's a lot of people that disappear a lot of places worldwide that just never come back now could it be abduction could it be um could it be some type of cryptor some natural being snatching them or could it be them going through portals and not returning Mm -hmm. uh it could be a number of things uh, I think as time goes on, though, we may very well end up getting a few more answers. I hope anyway. Um, but, yeah, I think all of that's possible. Because, you know, you hear reports, too, of children that disappear. Mm-hmm. You know, and the parents are out looking for them frantically. Then they show up. 
But then mm -hmm. the children will tell the parents, well, I don't understand because I was there the whole time. I saw you looking for me. Mm -hmm. It's just so yeah. yeah. It's almost like they go into another dimension or a linear, a, a parallel universe where the, they can kind of see you on the other side, but there's no way for them to get back. Mm -hmm. I've heard those stories as well, you know, uh, with uh, alternate realities and parallel universes. I, I don't think it's necessarily the same as an, an another dimension. Right. But um, I think all of that, I think those theories are, are valid to a degree. And, uh, you know, I think the more we hear about them, I mean, sure. I mean, you're talking about people that watch TV show like fringe or something like that. Yeah. Of mm -hmm. course, you know, that, that seems plausible by watching that, but I, I think to a lesser degree, there may very well be something like that. That's possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you talk about the Mothman, I know everybody I know is like into the Mothman. They're just fascinated by, you know, by the Mothman. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the stories of it forecasting doom, like like on the bridge, for instance. Have you had any things like that crop up in, in, in your investigations other than the original Point Pleasant thing? Yeah, you know, I've looked into that theory. You know, I've been looking at the Mothman phenomena for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I just don't feel that the Harbinger theory has much basis to it. Uh, you know, you, you look at Point Pleasant and here you have a, a bridge that collapses right before Christmas and 46 people in a small town are killed. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, th I, you know, they had already had these, uh, these sightings of the supposed Mothman for about a year prior to that. So I, I think because of being a small town and being such a huge tragedy in a small town, they people are looking for excuses as to why it happened. There was, there were structural problems with the, the bridge. I don't think the Mothman caused it. And I don't think there's anything like that, that predicted it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the only wing bean uh, harbinger incident that I, that I feel may have some, some clout to it is the uh what people called the um the blackbird of chernobyl and uh a week or two before the chernobyl disaster people in the town near the plant had had made comments about this huge black bird or black winged being uh flying above the the reactor and it was documented uh, that's the only one that I know of that was documented as, as before, you know, before the actual disaster. So, you know, people talked about Fuk Fukushima and people seeing winged beings and then the bridge collapse over the Mississippi and Minneapolis and, and, and those type of things. But, you know, it usually comes up after the fact. There's, there's very little evidence to support that people had seen these things, you know, beforehand. So, uh, yeah, I don't really buy into the Harbinger thing. That's what I first thought when I saw that report for the Tower Bridge here in Sacramento. I was, <laughs> my first thought was, uh-oh. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know, you know, that's interesting because when I started getting these reports back in 2007 in Chicago, and it was starting to get out into the media, I was literally 24-7. I had people calling me in the middle of the night in Chicago. You know, people hadn't had an incident. But were scared because they felt this meant some type of disaster was going to uh, happen in Chicago, and they'd call me, and I'd had to, you know, I had to try to 
belay their fears, their fears, and you know, and, and tell them, well, I didn't believe anything was going to happen. You know, I just, but you know, that was going. You know, that that July and August of 2017 was crazy because we were getting two to three sightings a week and uh, all over the city, and people were scared. They they thought something was going to happen in the city, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, that's just how you know stuff spreads. Though you know, rumors or even rumors, but but they turn into folk. You know, oh, yeah. folk tales where it's just snowballs and snowballs and snowballs from you know from person to person to person. Um, let's talk about big flying birds because I know that there have been a lot of sightings. You know, people out in the woods and stuff that that have seen these things. What what do you think of those? You mean thunderbird sightings or yeah, big thunderbird you... sightings, stuff like that. Traditionally. And in the indigenous peoples, there's there have been a lot of these thunderbird stories uh, or these large bird sightings. I've had a few of them. I've had a few people report them. Uh, pretty good sized birds too. I mean, I've had people tell me that they've seen these birds land in front of them and in, in, on a highway and just literally stretch across a two lane road. Mm-hmm. Uh, big, big wing bird like beings. Uh, we've had several here in Pennsylvania, for the most part. Now, Stan Gordon has written about a lot of those. In his new book, he talks about it as well. But he's been reporting those for over 40, 50 years now. But uh-huh. uh, there just seem to be some areas that do get a lot of this. California is another one. In the uh, the Central Valley, there's a lot of the, the, the large bird sightings. Um, I've even had dragon sightings in your part of the, your neck of the woods as well. Uh, but... Uh, I, I'd say most of the sightings are in uh, uh, in the Southwest, uh, Upper Midwest, particularly Indiana and Illinois. Uh, here in Pennsylvania, some parts of the Mid Atlantic, we we do get some huge bird sightings. What do you think it might be? I mean, uh, obviously, you know, when, when you look at people, don't you know? The thing with people, what happens is, is people don't realize that birds do have a large wingspan. I mean, even my cockatiel, you know, that has a pretty good sized wingspan when mm-hmm. you think about it. And I think people don't realize that a hawk could have a, <laughs> what, a, what, a six or seven foot wingspan, right? I think some of them could be misidentification, thinking it's something other than what it really is. Um, you look at a condor or something like that. Right. I, I've seen some, some huge turkey vultures in the past. Uh, yeah, um, but... I, is it a relic type of being? These be, these thunderbirds, or even people describe pterosaurs like pterodactyls. Right, I was thinking uh, we got a lot of those sightings. Yeah, uh, in the, up, especially in the Midwest. Um, I don't know. Is it a relic? Is it something that's able to move within dimensions? Which I believe is very possible. Sure. Uh, you know. You know, they're they're and it's actually a worldwide phenomenon. Papua New Guinea, in particular, the Ropen sightings have been talked about for generations. People even, I mean, even soldiers back in World War II saw these things. Um, so um, yeah, I you know it it seems to be um, seems to be a worldwide phenomenon. But of course, here in the United States, we seem to get a lot of sightings because it's like everybody's looking for stuff uh-huh. and is not afraid to you know. Now, especially people because of the TV shows, the internet, and everything else, yeah. they're less inhibited about coming forward and talking about it. So, uh, yeah, we, you know, I'd say in the last twenty years, we've really picked up on all this stuff. 
And who's to say that, because, I mean, when you look at even Northern California, you look at British Columbia, you look at a lot of parts, you know, back east of where there's a lot of wood stuff, you know, Wisconsin areas, mm-hmm. lots of woods out there for something to hide in. So, I mean, like, like, like we talk about the pterosaurs or whatever, I mean, there's, there's a lot of areas where they could have just stayed. Here in Pennsylvania in particular, I, I read a statistic not long ago that 49% of the state is wooded in uh, very, very little exploration uh, yeah. in some of these areas. Uh, Pacific Northwest, absolutely. Northern California, wholly up in the British Columbia, there are a lot of areas like that. Uh, but I, I think up there, I think there are a lot of different beings up there that may actually be indigenous just because of the terrain and, you know, the weather and the way things are up there. Um, as far as in this area and other areas uh, in the upper Midwest and in the East that have a heavy concentration of wilderness, actually, I mean, there's a lot of wilderness, unexplored, unexplored wilderness, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, uh, even Ohio, there's a lot of unexplored wilderness and, um, you know, these things raise their ugly heads sometimes, and uh, you know people happen to see it, and we get the report. But uh, yeah, we we get a lot of different stuff. What do you think is the most reported creature that you hear about? Oh, it's it's probably Bigfoot. I mean, you know, that's been pretty consistent for decades. You know, um, ever since the Patterson Gimlin film. And people being aware of it and um, not being as fearful and being ridiculed about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the Bigfoot phenomenon, because I, I don't think there's any state in, in the, the union other than maybe Hawaii that hasn't had Bigfoot reports. And, um, and they may be something other than Bigfoot. They may be some other hominid or something that's a misidentification. Yeah. But we get a lot of sightings in a lot of different places. And what I think is interesting, like like you say, you know, different parts of the country, it's, it's called different things. Like you've mm-hmm. got a foggy creature, you know, and you you got stories like, like like the one you called, you know, from your area, and it's different names. We're up here, you know, it's all Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's the same here. I mean, when people see these things around here, it's a it's a Bigfoot, you know, for the most part. That's what they call it. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, we're lucky. I, I'm lucky to live in a state that just has seems to have a lot, a lot of different things, and, uh-huh. uh, and it keeps us busy. How can you tell? I mean, if you're out looking at footprints, and I was just thinking about this because, I mean, there's a lot of rivers up here. There's a lot of wet, you know, ground up here. How can you tell? And I don't know if you've seen any footprints, you know, during your investigations. But how can you tell if it's a le- if, if you think it's a legitimate footprint as opposed to say another animal? And it's yeah. in the blood and it expands out. It's difficult. I mean, you know, you know, got to really know what you're looking for. If you if you get it, if you get the right consistency in in the soil, mm-hmm. to where you can see dermal ridges or you can see definite better definition, then you can probably tell if that's what it is. Uh, I would doubt that there's any giant out there walking around other than you know <laughs> that's walking around barefoot in the middle of winter. I yeah. I don't know. There, you know, there, there have been some tracks out there that are, are very unusual, and, and you know that's what we feel could be an actual Bigfoot. But um, 
you know, those tracks you get in the snow, you know, that, that you know, that snow changes very quickly. A mm -hmm. little bit of sun, an hour later, the thing is absolutely distorted. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't take cast in the snow either. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've seen some casts that have some good definition to them. They've got the dermal ridges on them. And it looked like they have the 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 break, uh, the uh, the tarsal break in in the middle of the foot, which is distinctive of what the big foot, the way they walk, the way they move about. Uh, you know, it's it's not a common thing. It, people may think it's common. People see a lot of different things. You know, I have people send me photographs of every little divot in the ground, thinking it's a bigfoot, and you know, right. it's just not that. You know. Um, but yeah, I mean, occasionally we will come up with some decent ones. Interesting. How many reports a month do you get of different cryptids? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, well, just like today, I got four today. Wow. Uh, I, um, I'm i not necessarily saying they're all factual. Right. But I get a, I, you know, I get a lot of different reports. I mean, I get phone calls and. And, and emails all the time, but I, I do solicit a lot of this stuff. So, but I am, I am grateful to the people who come forward and, and, uh, involve me in their, in their, uh, sightings and encounters. So, yeah, but no, I get a lot. I really do. Let's see. Another question. Okay. All right. Check, check, making sure there's no, no other questions. Um, my other question is when you do get a report, what steps do you take once you get a report in? Do you, do you phone them first or do you go out on scene or how's that work? Well, if I get a report, let's say I get an email or, or I get a phone call and I get something that I, I feel is, is worth looking into, uh, I will normally continue to talk to the individual on a number of instances. If they've got any photographic evidence or physical evidence, uh, I look at that, then if I feel that it's it's worthy, uh, I, I will contact, uh, if it's somewhere else in the country, I'll contact one of my team members. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got 17 team members who are actually boots on the ground team members. Then we've got 25 um, paranormal encrypted groups as well who, you know, if I can't get any of my direct people to look into it i you know i'll get one of them to look into it and, it, and of course it's pretty well networked now um as far as the cryptid community so uh you know if you've got a group you may get a call from me if i can't find anybody else uh because that does happen and right. um yeah so and well, i have them look at it and they, they will look into the situation and go, go to the witness talk to them either by phone first and directly and uh any of the reports that are generated as a result of that we posted up on our team website which is cryptidhunters.org uh i usually post post it on the blog as well interesting um very interesting. I'm fascinated by what you do because, I mean, we go obviously ghost hunt, but I've never gone out to look for cryptids. We, we were starting to get into that like 15 years ago when then we kind of, you know, moved into another direction because I was even starting to bite, you know, get to the point where I was going to purchase trail cams and stuff. Mm -hmm. I even read the BFRO handbook mm -hmm. that they give out. Mm -hmm. you know, I read it from, 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 you know, start to finish. 
because I was seriously considering do, doing this. Because we had a house up in Northern California is why we, we were about maybe about 30 minutes away from Happy Camp. Mm-hmm. So you can't avoid that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that area. Mm-hmm. But I just find it interesting that you that, that you do this. And how much how much research do you do on this stuff? I mean, I mean, you must have just piles and piles. That's of all I do. You know, it it, it seems like um, you know by the time I get because it's almost a daily thing. It's for if I get something new, it comes in. I gotta research it before I post it, and uh, then follow up on it. Um, but uh, you know, I'm looking into stuff all the time. You know, if I'm lucky enough to have some background in my in my files and such, and you know, that's that's a plus. But many times I rely on the team members to do some work as well. So um, it just depends. I mean, you know, we. I mean, it just depends how crazy and how interesting the sighting is. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we do. I do a lot of research. Have you ever found the sighting so credible you couldn't? Uh, denounce it? Yeah, there have been a few, I guess, but uh, of course, you know, you're going to get, you you do get some real bizarre ones sometime, and uh, if I can't find anything to back it up, I'm not saying that the person's lying to me. Right, right, right. You know, I I give everybody the benefit of the doubt, but um, if I if I look into it and find it too incredible, I just I will rarely go further into it. Though I may hand it off to somebody else to look into. That doesn't happen a whole lot, uh-huh. um, but it does happen. Absolutely, absolutely, I understand. Usually, like like with us, you know, we we have to have at least two two to three you know pieces of evidence before we'll say it, it is what it is. You know, uh-huh. you just you just got to have that. Yeah, it's almost a it's it's a judgment call for the most part. I mean, if you've been doing this a long time, you can usually separate the wheat from the chaff when you get a report, and you know when you talk to the witness, you can kind of tell if they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes or trying to embellish uh-huh. her. Um, but no, I um, you know I you know I. <laughs> And I, I feel bad about this because sometimes I'll get a report and and, and it's just I just get behind and it's just so much stuff piling up. Uh-huh. And uh I, I try to give it the 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 justice that it deserves for the most part, but man, I'm telling you, I get so much of it. I really do. And in the case of the cryptids, it's, it's, it makes it difficult because by the time you guys get out on scene, it's been two or three days or whatever it has been, and whatever it is, it's either it's either going to be there or it's going to be gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's unfortunately, unless it happens down the street, there isn't a whole lot you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being here and having, I have several investigators here in this state, uh, we can get there quicker, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of factors involved. I mean, everybody's got a life. They just can't drop everything and go out and look into right. it. Right. Uh, but we try to do the best we can. And then sometimes on, on the part of the witness, too, there might be some hesitation because they don't want to have you think that they're not jobs or anything like happens that. happens all the time. I will get somebody who's got a very credible sighting, is very distinct in what they're telling me, very believable. I will set something up, and then we never – it never formulates. We just don't get together. They've had second thoughts or they just, or for whatever reason. But it happened. It does happen. Mm-hmm. 
So what do you have to say to people that want to go out looking for these things? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, don't think you're going to go out in the woods and see one or whatever you're looking for. Um, that usually doesn't pan out. Uh, I think I, I think 99% of the sightings are happenstance. They just show up. Uh, that's what always fascinates me about these shows, hunting for this, hunting for that. They just never seem to hunt and find anything. That's it. Uh, you know, they, they they come up with a lot of anecdotal evidence and try to make it fit the profile or fit the, the agenda, but it it doesn't seem to work that way. But uh, that's with any any paranormal, even if you do a case, a haunting and such, it takes time. Uh, and you know that. You just can't go into a location and expect something to, to formulate or to manifest. That's it. It, it, it takes a lot of time. Question in the chat room. Does Lon have a favorite cryptid? Oh, yeah, the winged beings. Absolutely. Yeah, that's always been something that's interested me, even when I was younger. Cool. Cool. Yep. cool. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. I sure. appreciate it. How can people contact you? Well, they can go to fansandmonsters.com, and that's the blog site. Uh, we've got everything in the archive there, and we, we post daily. Um, I also have a, uh, a radio show. It's Phantoms of Monsters Radio. It's a, it's a live show Friday nights on YouTube at nine o'clock Eastern. If you just put Phantoms of Monsters in radio into the, uh, the search, it'll come up. Uh, and when you get there, subscribe, like it, and you know, then you don't have to go searching for it again. There you but, go. uh, yeah, we have, a. Plus, you know, I've got my team website, which is cryptohunters.org. And uh, we're, but we're always looking into stuff. And, you know, if anybody has an account or a sighting uh, and wants to contact me, my email is lonstricklerfandomsandmonsters.com. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on. It's always fun to have you on and talk cryptids and monsters. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always a blast. All right, Lon, thank you so much. You, you take care. Mm -hmm. All right, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye. Okay, that was fun. I love talking about Mothman and stuff with him. He is like the greatest cryptid hunter there is. Anyway, we're done with that show. Tomorrow night, we're going to be talking past lives. If our good friend Mary Muter is going to be back with us. We had a great conversation with her last time she was on, and I'm sure tomorrow isn't going to be much different. Um, I'm excited about that. I don't know why I'm on double screen here. See, double screen. Hang on. Okay, there we go. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for joining us. Again, we have two spots still open for the ghost hunt on March, Saturday, March 26th. So if you want to come in and meet me and work work with some of my team members to, for some hands-on with our equipment, you can do that. And you can do that from CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. Just go across the top and get to special events and it'll pop right up for you. If you're on YouTube, again, please, please hit that subscribe button because we're trying to get the word out and the more subscribers, the merrier. And that subscribe button is the little ghost that's down in the right-hand corner that has the magnifying glass and the Sherlock Holmes cap on. That's our mascot. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you despise the show and despise me, share it with five of your enemies to get even for equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Also, you see that ticker down at the bottom, and that is because we're a nonprofit, and everything you see here comes out of my pocket, so... Just like with the headphones and everything else that has to be replaced, I have to pay for it. 
So if you could uh, find it in your heart to help me out a little bit, I'd appreciate it because we want to keep this thing coming to you because we have internet costs and all that other stuff just like anybody else. And you can do that at paypal.me at California Haunts. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, Venmo and then California Haunts. And it'll pop right back up. Now, looking for YouTube sometimes is an issue with us. Uh, we do have a dedicated YouTube blah, 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 slash California Haunts. But it's, it's a bunch of blah, blah in front of it, of course. So the best way to do that is to type in California Haunts on YouTube. It'll pop right up. Otherwise, you can go to the website at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. And the first video you see on the website, click on it. That'll take you to the YouTube site, and you can see all that stuff. Or if you know if you want to check out the archives faster, go up to where it says archives at the top of the page, and that'll take you to the last two years of archives of our stuff on YouTube. I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. I really appreciate it again. And I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. I'm going to go ahead and run Lon's information. You can see some of his books here that he's written. And you can also see his websites, okay, plus his YouTube show and all that good stuff. And uh, again, tomorrow we're going to be here with Mar- with Marin Muter talking about past lives, okay? So here we go, and I'm going to go ahead and run Lon's information. Websites, phantomsandmonsters.com or cryptidhunters.org. We got Mothman Dynasty. Alien Disclosure are two of his books. Wing Cryptids, and again, another version of Mothman Dynasty. Probably an older version. Cryptid Encounters and Bizarre Encounters. Unexplained Encounters and Strange Encounters. And Mysterious Encounters. And of course, those can be purchased at... Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Amazon.com. Boom! So again, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific for Mary Muter and talk about past life regression and what happens in your past lives and whatnot, okay? I'll see you tomorrow. Have a good night.